thank you all for joining us. We'll get started in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We encourage you guys to sing along and worship with us this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Until I met you And I was breathing But not alive And all my failures I tried to hide It was my Till I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called my name. Glorious 
Good morning, C3 family. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father God, help these words ring true for us today in a new way. We've heard them many times before, but as we go into this new year, Help us to keep them at the forefront of our minds, knowing that you are our ultimate comfort and peace, and that you provide everything that we could ever need. We thank you and we praise you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. And all I am, I surrender. Trust what you say That you're good And your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life I need you To soften my heart and break me apart I need you to pierce through the dark and cleanse every part of my life and all I am I surrender give me faith to trust what you say that you're good and your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life Cause I may be weak but your spirit's strong in me may fail, but my God, you never will, cause I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me, and my flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. 
just what you say that you're good and your love is great i'm broken inside i give you my life give me faith to trust what you say that you're Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the Christ Community Church Sunday morning uh, extravaganza. Extravaganza, yes. Uh, guys, thank you for the wonderful music. What Always. a blessing. It's, Always. it's just a blessing. I think the music gets better and better, which infers that it wasn't good. It's always been fantastic and just. It's better just better. better. It's just, if it possible, is. It, it's right. even better. We're grateful. Um, and we're grateful that you're with us today. We thank are. you for. Uh, Joining us this morning. Uh, um, on a personal note, yes, please, real quickly, please. Um, for those of you who know uh, me, and I wasn't here last week. Yes, um, and I was very sad about that. I just want to let you know, you may already know, that my father died this week, um, uh, last Saturday, and we were with him, and it was very good to be with him. Yes. And so that is, we are, we are doing well, and all is well, and God is good, and heaven is sure, and we are comforted. And do not mourn like those with no comfort. So no. thank you no, um, for your prayers mm. for our family. Yes, yes. Thank you for praying for my bride thank you. and her family. And they're good. They're sad, but they're good. And um, they know where your dad is. We do. And, we do uh, indeed. What a gift to give your family. Um, anyway, I want to pray and get us started, okay? Thanks. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, thank you that we can gather together uh, this morning and study your word, I pray that you would speak in an undeniable, understandable, uh, lasting way into our lives. I pray you'd give us eyes that can see and ears that can hear and hearts that are receptive and soft and that you would um, do something meaningful in our lives today. And if you would, we sure would be grateful. And we thank you, Lord, for the hope we have that uh, this is not all there is, that there's something yet to come that is infinitely better than anything we have ever experienced so far. Bless you for that gift. We're so grateful. Amen. Um, in Romans chapter, what did I say? Where is that? Uh, Romans 15. Sorry. Paul says this. He says, everything that is written in the Old Testament was written by God to give God's people endurance and encouragement and hope. Hmm. Everything that we read about in the Old Testament was written by God to God's people to give them endurance and encouragement and hope. And so I want to talk, that's my prayer today, that God would give 
Uh, I want that in my own life. I need that in my life. You need that in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Endurance and encouragement Absolutely. and hope. And I'm pretty confident that we all do. And so that's what I hope God will do as we study his word today. Um, we're going to look at the life of Jacob, who is Abraham's grandson, and uh, uh, what his life can teach us about a relationship with God and a journey with God. Uh, now, I'm going to have to give you some background to get us there, but I wanted Shirley to go on and read, if you would, sure. the, um, the, the sort of the climax event of Jacob's life. Everything sort of builds up to this one moment yep. that you're going to read about. And I want you to read about it, and then I'm going to give you some background, and then we'll get to this event at the end of our study today. Great. Okay, okay so I'll be reading from Genesis 32. Starting in uh, verse 24. Okay. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This may be a familiar story to some of you. Hmm. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man said. And he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Hmm. The idea of a human being entering into a wrestling match with God himself. It's a pretty extraordinary story, isn't it? Uh, metaphorically, we do it all the time. Thank you. Uh, it is exactly right. We wrestle all the time. We wrestle all the time with God. Physically That's wrestling with God, you don't hear much of that. Uh, it's the only time, at least in the scriptures, yeah. that we ever see this, yeah. and therefore it's very significant. Um, let me give you a little background here. Uh, if you're reading through the Bible with me this year, then you understand that God created man to live in his presence continually and to feel secure and blessed in his environment, in his relationships, and in his purpose, his, his work, his life responsibilities. And amazingly, God offers this to Adam and Eve. He promises this to Adam and Eve. And dang, if they don't turn around and go, no thanks, no thanks, God. We don't trust that you are wise enough yeah. to know what is best for us. We don't trust that you love us enough to really care about us. Yeah, kind of like, are you sure? Yeah. Are you we, sure? Don't, we don't trust that you have the power, God, to provide for us the things that we are convinced we really need. And... Uh, that all happens in Genesis chapter 3. And then in Genesis chapters 4 through 11, chapter 11 being when, when well, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. Chapters 4 through 11 of Genesis, um, basically what you have is an illustration of what it looks like when mankind lives by their own wits and they live according to their own ways. Yeah. And sadly, it doesn't end well. It doesn't go well. When mankind says, no thanks, God, we don't trust you and your wisdom, your love, and your power. We trust ourselves more. We're going to do it our way. We're going to live yeah. by our own wits and our own ways. It doesn't end well, and it didn't end well. Um, 
I want to stop and say something that I'll come back to in a minute, and that is this. It's incredibly important to this story to realize that no one stole God's plans, God's purposes, God's promises, God's blessings from Adam and Eve. That's why uh, Milton called it paradise lost. He did. He didn't call it paradise stolen. He called it paradise lost. Because Adam and Eve actually threw it away. They lost it. No one stole it from them. And that's going to be significant here in just a moment. Um, What you see in the story of Adam and Eve, and then the end of this little section you see in the people building the tower, the Tower of Babel, is you see people that are convinced, I know what I need to be happy. Adam and Eve said, oh, I know what it is. I need knowledge. Mm-hmm. If I just can know the things that God knows, I can, I can have the knowledge of good and evil like God is, that'll make me happy. That'll be enough. That'll, that'll complete me. And yet, it didn't no. make things better. It made things worse. Yes. The people uh, that were building the Tower of Babel, they were convinced. They, in fact, they, sit, they say, we're going to build this incredible structure and it's going to be so impressive that it will give us, it'll make us famous. It'll give us, uh, it, our names will become great in the eyes of the people of the world. And so that's what they did. And yet, again, what you see is it didn't, no. uh, it did not accomplish or achieve the results and the goals and the desires that they had hoped. And what the writer of Genesis is trying to help us see is, is that the things that we believe will make us complete and happy and satisfied, they won't. They won't. That our own ways and our own wit will never gain us what we wish they could and would. It's only a relationship, an intimate, loving relationship with the great God of the Bible on a faith journey with that great God. That's the only thing that will make people really happy and satisfied and complete. Um, And really, after Genesis chapter 11, or really you could say after Genesis chapter 3, all the, the, the whole story of the Bible is nothing more than the story of God's continual efforts to try to restore and complete all of his plans, all of his promises, yeah. all of his blessing. He's just trying to do in the descendants of Adam and Eve what he wanted to do for Adam and Eve. He wants to do it for their descendants. And it's the, the Bible is the story of how God ultimately accomplishes that task. Um, I just wanted to say then that God did not, it's very important for us to see that God did not change His plans and His purposes uh, after Adam and Eve and their descendants said, no thanks. But what God did do is He changed His focus. And He moved His focus from all of the descendants of Adam and Eve. We're in Genesis 12 now. He changed His focus, not His plans, not His purposes, not His promises, but He changed His focus from all the descendants of Adam and Eve, and he's now focusing on one couple, Abraham and Sarah. And you could say they're the second Adam and Eve. Mm. He was focused on one couple. They said, no thanks. 
So now he is focused on a new couple, and um, their their names are Abraham and Sarah. And um, basically, God comes to them in Genesis chapter 12, and God says, Abraham, I choose you. I, I have picked you to have a very unique purpose. I want to use you and Sarah to show the world, the descendants of, of Adam and Eve, what a relationship with God should look like, can look like. And God chose this family, Abraham and Sarah, and he promised them his favor. He promised them his blessings. He promised them his presence. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He promised them his provision and his protection. Um, Not because, he didn't choose them because they were better than other people or other families. He didn't choose them because they were seeking after God. He didn't choose them so that they could hoard all these blessings and keep them to themselves. He, He tells Abraham, I'm choosing you, and I'm gonna, I promise to pour out my blessings upon you so that you then can be a means through which I bless the world and a picture to the world of what a relationship with God looks like. Tragically, the second Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, they didn't do much better than the first. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the sad story. If you read the story of Adam and Eve, of Abraham and Sarah, they, they don't. Uh, they basically say to God the same thing. No thanks. They let fear lead them down the road of believing that God did not have the wisdom to know what was best for them. We'll take care of it ourselves. Yes. That God did not have the love for them to really give them the care they wanted, and God did not have the power to provide for them the things that he had promised. Um, they, you see another couple, Abraham and Sarah, doing what the first Adam and Eve did, and that is living their lives, believing that they had to rely upon their own wit and their own ways to make life work. They're still controlled by fear and this passion to take control of their lives. Now we get to Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, and I believe that his life is probably one of the most clear pictures of what a relationship with God and a journey with God looks like for most of us. Uh, a life that clearly is experiencing God's commitment. God God is committed to Jacob and he promises Jacob, I'm going to bless you and take care of you and help you. You're mine. I've chosen you. But as committed as God is to taking care of Jacob, Jacob is equally committed to taking control of his life and living life, again, like his grandparents, uh, Abraham and Sarah, and like his great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, he wants to. Li- he feels the need to live his life by his own wits and his own ways. I find it very significant that before Jacob was born, God tells his dad Isaac that I've chosen your son. I've chosen your son. I've called him into a relationship with me where I'm going to do for Jacob 
the things that I promised Adam and Eve, the things that I promised Abraham and Sarah. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to show him my favor. I'm going to provide for him. I'm going to protect him. He is going to be the recipient of my blessings. He's looking for someone to give it to. Yes. (laughs) And he chose Jacob to be that person. And yet, Jacob is then born. And what's so remarkable about the story of Jacob's birth, uh, God chose Jacob before he was even born, before he even came out of his mama's womb. God chose him and made these promises to him. And then he's born. And as he's coming out of his mama's body, you know what he's doing? Now, his older brother, by a few seconds, Esau, has just been born. Do you know what Jacob's doing? I do. Oh, you do? What is he doing? He's grabbing his leg, grabbing his his heel. heel. He's grabbing his older brother's heel. And it's almost like he's declaring, if I'm going to get all that I want and need out of life, I'm going to have to take it. I'm going to have to grab it. In fact, that's what his name means, heel grabber. One that grasps the heel of another. He feels the need. Even as a newborn, he feels this insatiable need to grab that which he believes he needs in life. Even though God has promised, I'm going to give you all these things anyway. I promise I will. Jacob still felt the need to grasp, to grab these things. And if you wanted to summarize Jacob's entire life, you could say it's the life of a grabber. It's the life of grabbing. That's how he lived his entire life. Remember when we were teenagers or kids, they had this thing called the clapper? Yeah. You know, and you'd clap and it would make the lights go up <laughs> and, and the on. the Christmas trees. Uh, yeah, the Christmas trees and whatever. Well, it's not the life of a clapper, but it's the life of a grabber. Um, and I want to give you just real quickly That's a summary. That's a summer. terrible joke. Sorry, sorry. So, what do you, you know? What do you expect? Um, but let me give you. Uh, you say. You say. How do you? How do you? What do you mean when you say that he lived a life of grabbing? Let me give you some examples. Um, he becomes a young man. His older brother Esau. Since he's older, he is the ben- uh, the recipient of the birthright. Yeah. The the oldest bro- son got a, a a larger portion, a double portion, if you will, of the family wealth. And there were reasons for that, practical reasons, but Jacob wanted that. For him to really feel safe and content and happy, he needed that double portion. And so he creates this, this, this scheme, if you will, to because uh, he knew his brother was rash and impulsive and couldn't look too far ahead. He knew his brother was going to come in from a hunting trip famished, and so he makes this stew, knowing that his brother was going to want it more than anything else at that moment, he, uh, and, and, and which Esau comes in, hey, I want some of that soup, I'm starving, sure, I'll swap you this soup for the, your birthright. And amazingly, not to Jacob, but to everyone else, Esau made the trade. Jacob grabbed the birthright because he needed it, he needed it to be happy. A little while later, we have another illustration where the older son not only got the birthright, the older son got the blessing of God, the the family blessing. Jacob wanted that, but it's not his. So what does he do? He grabs it. He grabs it. He, he, with the help of his mom, which is craziness, he, he and his mom work up this elaborate scheme to trick the dad 
uh, uh, Rebecca's uh, husband and Jacob said, there's this old blind man. You, you know, what are you doing? You're taking advantage of an old blind man. Uh, but they do that. They take advantage of this old blind man and they trick him. They trick Esau uh, and they rob Esau of the family blessing because Jacob grabs it. He needs it. Esau gets furious, rightfully so. I'm going to kill my brother the minute my dad passes away. So Jacob has to flee, and he runs to his to another nearby country uh, uh, and lives a number for a number of years with his uncle, Uncle Laban, yep. um, who is his, the brother of his mom. And you see this this twenty year battle between. Jacob and his uncle, Jacob and his boss, and they go back and forth trying to see who can out-scheme uh, the other one. Uh, but the focus is on Jacob, the one that God has chosen, the one that God has promised, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide everything you need. Your life is safe with me. But Jacob couldn't believe that. Yeah. And so he he gets into these all these schemes. He but he even stoops to this thing where he, he puts branches and limbs in the animals' uh, watering troughs and feeding troughs to try to change their color. Because if the baby, the baby sheep and goats were born one color, Laban got them. And if they were born another color, he got them. And again, it's just a wives' tale. There's no evidence that it worked. Uh, but again, that need to make things work in my favor. I need them to work in my favor because if life's going to work well for me, I've got to make it work myself. And then you could go on and look at, he has to flee, he, he, rather than telling his uncle that they're going to move back home, he flees in the night uh, to go back home and then he gets, well, lo and behold, he gets back to the promised land. First person he meets is his brother. <laughs> Esau is coming to, to meet him. Again, Jacob, rather than just becoming a man, a faithful God-trusting man and saying, you know what? Go, go to my brother, look him in the face, say, hey, I was wrong to you. I'm sorry. I want to make it right. No, no, no. He creates this elaborate scheme where he sends all these bribes to appease Esau. Uh, uh, it's a very elaborate plan uh, to appease him so that Esau will not harm him and his family. And uh, n- not knowing that God had already changed Esau's heart. Esau's not mad anymore. Yeah. He's forgiven yeah. Jacob. He's doing great. And he wants to rebuild a relationship. But Jacob doesn't know that. Jacob doesn't even consider that. I've got to make this work yeah. in my favor. I've got to take control. I've got to look out for me because nobody else is. And so he not only sends all these gifts, these bribes, he even sends his own family in front of him so that maybe Esau will find some kindness and favor with his wives and children and pity them. And so he stays back on the other side of the river, hiding. And it's just, it's, again, all of these are examples of Jacob feeling this need to grab, to take charge, to take control, to make life work. Again, I want to say, not one person in Jacob's life could hinder Jacob from experiencing the blessings of God. His dysfunctional, crazy parents, his angry uh, brother, 
uh, his his uh, dishonest, uh, deceitful boss, his nut job wives that were constantly fighting with each other, his his children who were dysfunctional actually learned to be dysfunctional from their dad. Well, sure. um, I mean, none of these people could rob Jacob of God's presence, God's promises, God's blessings. None of them could. Only Jacob could hinder this process. Um, Jacob's efforts to grab all that he wanted in life, all that he needed in life, it, it resulted in nothing, nothing but negative consequences. It resulted in nothing but postponement. He wasted 20 years. It, it, it uh, resulted in nothing but waste. He wasted 20 years screwing around with Uncle Laban when he could have been in the promised land with his mom and dad and his family. But he wasted all of this time out of this compulsion to grab and control and need. Remarkably and thankfully, through it all, God never gave up on Jacob. And what you see is God quietly behind the scenes orchestrating all of the steps in Jacob's life, all of the, the circumstances, all of the bad decisions, all the scheming, all the plotting, all the grabbing, God is working in spite of and, and through uh, uh, all of that waste, that foolishness, the, that which caused negative consequences and delay. God was working through all of that with a commitment that he is going to bless Jacob. He's going to take care of Jacob. He's going to stay with Jacob, love Jacob, and fill Jacob with his blessings and plans and purposes for Jacob's life. So we get to the climax of the story, the event that you read about. Family, all of his flocks and herds and wealth that he got while with Laban, they're all being sent ahead for Esau to, to, to be impressed by. Uh, he sends his family on ahead, this huge family of, of wives and sons uh, that clearly were a sign of God's blessings in that day. Um, uh, he sends all, and he's back at the camp, uh, probably trying to get some sleep, and all of a sudden, Charlie, he wakes up, and he's aware that there's somebody in the camp. And he probably thinks initially that it's Esau, who snuck into the camp to attack him. But whoever it is, Esau, Jacob immediately feels a need to jump up and he gets into a wrestling match, a fight with this individual. Pretty soon during the fight, Jacob recognizes because of what he says, he recognizes this is not another man. This is some kind of a divine being. Whether he thought it was an angel or God, we don't know necessarily that. What we do know is this. In the midst of this fighting, well, first of all, let me just say this. Think about the idea that I'm fighting with God physically and I actually think I can win. Mm. I mean, who would, who would be so foolish as to think I can get into a fight with God and win? Didn't you have a, something you were going to share? Well, so that reminds me, 
of that. Do you remember in Monty Python and the uh, Search for the Holy Grail? Horrifying. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. No. Well, there's one point where there's the dark knight, like the black knight or whatever, and he's fighting with Monty Python, and he says, um, Monty Python is, is hitting him with the sword and cuts his arm off. And the blood, guy the whole time saying, I can, I, can I can defeat you. I can defeat you. Yeah. No, cuts his other arm off, cuts his leg off, and he's hopping around on one leg. I'm not, I'm, it's just a flesh wound, he said. <laughs> I can still a, win. I can still win. It's just a flesh you. wound. Yeah. And the whole time, the guy is just, Losing everything. Yeah. Arms, legs, yes. the whole thing. Well, now he's a stump laying on the ground bleeding to death. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, saying, well, I can still win. I can still win. It's not that bad. You know, <laughs> Come back, you chicken. Come back. I can still, I can bite you to death or yeah. something. I don't know exactly right. how, yeah. how it goes. But again, that's so ludicrous. And yet that is exactly what Jacob is doing. God, I can whip you. I can defeat you. I can win. I can still make life work by my wits and my ways. And can't you just imagine that God is here wrestling with Jacob? And Jacob finally says this, God, I won't let you go. I will not stop wrestling with you, fighting with you until you promise to bless me. And don't you know God's going... Jacob, I came here to bless you. I made a commitment to bless you before you were born. I've been trying to bless you, and I've been blessing you every day of your life. Why are you asking me if, if I'll bless you? I've done nothing but prove my, my wisdom for, uh, to know what's best for you. I've done nothing but prove my love that reveals itself in my care for you. I've done nothing but uh, show you that I have the power to make good on my promises, to give you my presence, to give you my favor, to give you my protection and my uh, uh, provision and my blessings. I, I just can imagine how I don't know whether God was laughing or crying over Jacob's uh, request. I need you to bless me. And God's saying, that's all I do. That's what I do in my relationship with you. Um, I chose this story, this person's life, Jacob, um, uh, just to be quite honest with you, because as I studied his life, um, What I saw, Shirley, was me. I'm Jacob. I understand so clearly and sadly how it feels to believe. Does God, is God really wise enough to know what's best for me? Is is God really, does he really love me? Does he really love me? And does he have the power to do in my life and for my life the things that are best, the things that are good, the things that are... I I, I understand this motto that Jacob had that we've got to... If we're going to get the good things in life, they rest with us. It It all falls on me. I've got to grab them, um, grab them or lose them. Yeah. That's, I, that's, that was Jacob's motto. And I see that so sadly and tragically in my own life. 
Um, I just wanted to end our study today. Uh, I asked myself five questions. After studying this, I asked myself five questions. And I want to just ask you and everyone listening today, if you have the courage, um, can you be quiet just for a moment and listen to these questions and answer them. Answer them for yourself. Question number one, am I convinced that God is continually pursuing me with his goodness and mercy? Like David promised in Psalm 23, surely the goodness and the mercy of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. That's what God wants. That's the kind of plan God had for Adam and Eve. That's the kind of plan that God had for Abraham and Sarah. That's the kind of plan that God had for Jacob and company. Um, And it's the plan that God has for me and for you and for you. But am I convinced that that's what God, God wakes up every morning and after breakfast, He pursues me with His goodness and His mercy. Am I convinced of that? Number two, do I believe that God's plans for Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and company, and for me and you are all the same? That that not only are His plans for all of us the same, but they're unchanging and they are irrevocable. Paul tells us in Romans 11 that the plans and the callings of God are irrevocable. And then I found this verse in Isaiah 14 where it says, What the Lord Almighty has purposed, who can stop? Do I believe that what God wanted to do in the life of Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and company, He's still wanting to do in our lives? Do I believe that? Number three, how is my family being impacted by my passion to be in control, to grab life, to live life as if everything depends on me. It ruined Jacob's life. Yeah. And it ruined Jacob's parent, his relationship with his parents, his relationship with his brothers, his relationship with his sons. His passion to live as if everything relies on him, it had such a destructive, destructive impact upon his family. How is it impacting my family? Number four, Where in my life am I revealing that I'm not convinced that God is wise enough, loving enough, or powerful enough to be trusted? In what areas of my life am I declaring by my actions, my relationships, my attitudes, that God is not wise enough, loving enough, or powerful enough to be trusted? And number five, am I thankfully, joyfully enjoying the blessings of God but not embracing God's plan for me to be an extension through which God shares these blessings with the rest of the world? Maybe I'm very thankful and happy that I get them, but how am I embracing God's plan to not just be the beneficiary of His blessings, but to be a resource through which God pours out His blessings on the rest of the world. I think those are five questions that are worthy of us asking ourselves and thinking about. Okay.
I want us to end today uh, by celebrating the Lord's Supper. Um, and so I'm going to give you some bread. And I'm going to give you a little wine. And uh, we eat this just to declare, and we hope that you'll join us uh, in declaring our faith in a God that is wise enough, a God that does love us enough, a God that is powerful enough to be everything we need and to bless us with everything that is good. That is our declaration as we eat this today. Thank you so very much for joining us. I hope you'll think about those questions and I hope that they'll have a profound impact upon your life and how you live each day on this new week. We love and bless you. Thank you for joining us. Amen. Amen. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this world But give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus, 
can't have all this world forgive me Jesus give me Jesus to give me Jesus give me this world give me Jesus give me Jesus thanks again for joining us come on back next week YouTube live and Facebook live at 1015 in the morning we praising Jesus next week too boys all right. All right. Y'all come on back. We'll see you next week.